everybody, and welcome back to the Marching On Together podcast. We're here for episode three, and this week we are joined by Mr. Gary Devonport from Talking Shut. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good, Liam. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, I like to start every episode, especially with the Leeds fans, uh, just talking about how you kind of got into Leeds, uh, and also because I know you're the host of three different podcasts. Also, how you kind of got into the podcasting game as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, with regards to Leeds, uh, obviously, uh, as well known for everybody who listens to Talking Show, I actually live in Barnsley and from Barnsley, but um, my granddad grew up in Morley, um, big Leeds fan, and uh, neither of my parents were into football, so he was kind of the sort of guiding light when it came to football, and the first shirt I got bought were the Admiral, I think, 92, 93 shirt, possibly. Um, I got bought that and a, an Aberdeen shirt randomly, <laughs> and um, I, I remember going to school and wearing this lead shirt, and I got a load of stick from at that time lots of Glory supporters who were like Man United fans and stuff. And I thought, do you know what? I kind of, I kind of like being a bit different, so I'll stick with this. And then, yeah, I went to my first game in like '94. Um, Leeds against Sheffield Wednesday got beat three-one. Sat, um, I sat in the East Stand, and I was just hooked from from that minute. It's, it's very cliche now, but you know, coming out and seeing, you know, the massive expanse of what is Alan Road when I'd only ever been to Oakwell before. Um, just yeah, just 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 set it off and then it's just become a you know, an obsession for the rest of the time. <laughs> I know everyone kind of said, says when they go to Ellen Road for the first time, that's it, you're hooked, isn't it? I know your son as well, he's kind of following your footsteps, isn't he, on that? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he was obviously bullied into it as a child. Um took him to <laughs> Ellen Road and, and got him his first shirt, which was the uh Net flights, one of uh, sorry, Andy, Andy Hughes and Jermaine Beckford, the the season we got promoted, and um, but yeah, again, he's kind of he's he's fully hooked now. He's uh, he's absolutely obsessed, and he don't really need much uh, much help now either. He's uh, he's fully obsessed himself. Oh, good, good. Um, in terms of podcasting, how did Talking Chuck kind of come about, and obviously your other two podcasts you've got as well. So podcasting for me came as uh, by accident, to be honest, and. Some people will probably say that they can tell it were. Um, I've always been a bit of a podcast fan. I listened to The Square Ball like 10 years ago and Joe Rogan and, and stuff like that. And um, and, and basically, for, for me, I, I suggested it to uh, the then chair of the Leeds United Supporters Trust. Uh, they'd gone through a bit of a rebrand and I, I suggested it to him who I'd, I'd got talking to on Twitter and said, look, you, you should maybe consider doing a podcast. It'd be a good way to sort of personalise the board members a little bit and, and, and do something a little bit different. Um, I think he took that as literally I wanted to do the podcast, so um, I got co-opted onto the board as sort of podcast person. We borrowed actually the Square Balls equipment because they were in a bit of an hiatus, and and we set up what was then the the Trustcast. And I, I don't listen back to it now because it was dreadful, but uh, I, I had a great lot of time doing it. I learned lots of things about um, sort of podcasting and stuff, and then um, I left the supporters trust and took a bit of time out, and then I got approached and just asked if I'd, I'd want to you know start again and do another Leeds one for uh, for proper sport and then uh, I took I took Ben Ben Tomlinson with me uh, old Ben off talking shut because we, we'd been together on the trust cast and and yeah talk, talking shut was born in the era of um, Paul Eckingbottom <laughs> not the not the best year to start but the last two years you've had the perfect perfect uh, content to talk about haven't you yeah I mean I remember the first podcast we ever did was uh, myself Ben Ryan Wilson from the Pigeon Detectives and obviously LS11 and Ole Holmes, a uh, Cast Tigers player. And we watched the uh, Fulham game down at um, Craven Cottage and we got pumped 3-1. And um, it was like the first ever watch along we'd ever done. And 
yeah, it it was a bit of a painful, painful few months to be honest, because we were in a bit of a turmoil, and you know, um, Andrea Rodriguez was just trying to get his fifty percent in and stuff like that. And but um, in a funny kind of way, it was quite enjoyable as well. I don't know why, but it was. <laughs> I think that game was the Caleb Ekeban game as well, wasn't it? The name yeah, yeah, sitter in that game. Yeah, it was. It was exactly that game. Yeah. Yeah, the dark days, we'll call those. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Well, why don't we go and talk a little bit about uh, last week's news and this weekend coming up. Uh, first of all, I just want to start with Mr. Calvin Phillips. Um, I know I listened to your podcast from last night and I know you watched the game. What were your initial thoughts on how he played and how he kind of handled the whole occasion? Um, I think I said it on our podcast a little bit, if, you, if you've watched Calvin Phillips for the last two years and look at the quite unique skill set he's got for, for an England international, because I can honestly say there's only um, sort of Jordan Henderson, I think, who plays that, that position as well as Calvin does. I don't even think Rice plays it as well as he does. And if you think about all the attributes he's got and what's made him brilliant, he basically went into that team uh, the other night for his full debut and had all them things stripped away from him. He's expected to play in, you know, a part of a two in the holding midfield. And uh, it didn't really work but not from Calvin's point of view but from the way the team was set up and I, and I think from Calvin's point of view I think he can be very proud he, he didn't put too many you know foots wrong his passing were, were good he won lots of um, tackles I think even the stats point out of him and Rice he was the better of the two in terms of statistics and yeah just incredibly proud for him and a little bit upset um, as I, I think I managed to uh, communicate on the podcast there last night that uh, just a, a bit of a hatchet job done by certain newspapers and certain journalists and uh, I think it's a little bit unfair. Yeah, I think there was an article within five minutes of the game ending, wasn't there, about how he was like overawed by the occasion and couldn't make the step up, which I just think was ridiculous. Just them trying to get clicks, isn't it, from Leeds fans, that's the problem. Yeah, uh, to be honest, as I said again, it worked for me because it got me right riled up early though, <laughs> but... Um, eventually I managed to see it for what it were and yeah ultimately just using the Leeds United name to get clicks and you know I think Calvin will have rightly been nervous you know big big deal to get your international debut uh, but it, you know he'll have plenty of opportunities to stamp his authority on international football um, and, and I truly believe he'll go on and do that as well. Yeah I think people forget as well that he missed the last what five games with that knee injury so he, this is his first minutes back since like early June as well so you're talking three months about playing so I think he did really well, and I was glad to see him come off uninjured because I think all Leeds fans are a little bit worried with the game coming on Saturday that he might get a little knock, but thankfully he didn't. Yeah, um, yeah, I must admit, I, I tweeted out from the Talking Short account when he got named the starting lineup that, you know, overjoyed, f- feel like extended family's got an England call up, but please, God, don't let him get injured or get a knock or anything like that because going into a massive game on Saturday, we, you know, we, we rely on Calvin for the way that we play, so we, we need him there, really. Yeah, and I think with. Robin, obviously, Cock, who might, might start on Saturday with him just coming in. And then if Calvin would have got a knock, we could have seen maybe him and Stuick both playing in like a in like a back three or holding mid and centre-back. And I think that could be quite difficult for Anfield, for two players to make their Premier League debut against those lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Robin Cock comes with a great reputation at Germany International, but there's going to be a little bit of um, uh, adaptation time to a different way of playing and, and playing in the Premier League. So, yeah, it, it would have been difficult to play both him and Stroik, I think, at the same time. Uh, for Premier League debuts, it's such a such a massive massive ground and a massive game for our first game back after 16 years. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, speaking of debuts as well, Tuesday night we saw a whole host of debuts for 
a load of kids, unfortunately, against Accrington uh, in the trophy. Um, did you watch any of that game? And obviously, I know the average age is about 16 and a half, wasn't it? I think we had a 15-year-old on the bench as well. Um, and I thought the lads did really well and the score kind of doesn't reflect almost how they played on the ball, at least. Yeah, I mean, um, I doubled up, much to my wife's disappointment. So I had the Leeds Accrington on the laptop and I had the England game on the telly uh, in an attempt to watch both. And yeah, I mean, you've got to take it for what it is. Obviously, uh, Popey broke it kind of um, on our podcast last night that it was the reason that the 18s play was all to do with the COVID bubble. Um, so if any of the 23s had played, they obviously would have been unable to train until the test results had come back negative. Um which would have then ruled them out of contention for Saturday's game or, you know, any sort of preparation for Saturday's game. Um, do you know what? I, obviously, the lads and, and, and Mark Jackson will be disappointed that, it, that it's seven, but I thought that they were out-muscled and, and, and ultimately Accrington Stanley's sort of higher positional, you know, within the football pyramid sort of stood out in the end, but they stuck to the task well and, and at times in the first... 20 minutes when we actually got on the ball you could see the first team influence filtering down to the 18s they they looked impressive uh, on the ball they moved it quick they were they were sharp but ultimately it just it just ended up being men against boys but fair play to them the heads never went down because you know if they had done it could have been probably 10 um because it, it just was that dominant from Accrington and and I know Accrington's uh, manager came out and and gave him some praise after for the way that they stuck to it so yeah, it looks bad, 7-0. Um, but ultimately, I think them lads will, will take a lot away from that. It kind of shows a benchmark where they want to be working to. And, you know, we got to see Charlie Allen and um, I know Popey were raving about a centre-back as well, uh, Mullen, um, how, how well uh, he played. So, you know, um, more positives and negatives to look at, I think, from that one. Yeah, definitely. I think the goalkeeper, which is quite rare to say, because he had seven as well. He's such a small lad, but I thought he played quite well. And to see Charlie Allen as well be captain was interesting because obviously he's only been around these players for, what, two or three weeks at most. So to give him the captain's armband and his debut against, obviously I know he's played against men before in Ireland, but to play against men in your first game over here, I think that was impressive that they thought that he was the sort of character that could handle that. Yeah, and I mean, from from the rumours coming out of the club, they've been very impressed with him and they think he'll probably feature at the sort of 23s level more than the more than the 18s this year. So it'll be it'll definitely be one to keep an eye on. One thing I did like about him, I think the game had only been going five minutes and he were absolutely getting into the referee's ribs about <laughs> uh, about some challenges going around. And I just thought that kind of showed his experience of playing against men, if that makes sense. Because he, he did make his senior debut for Linfield at the age of 15, I think. So, uh, And I think he actually scored in that game as well. So, um, you know, he's, he's got a bit of experience in it. And I think um, I think that'll, that'll kind of shine through as the, as the season goes on. Yeah, and speaking of those 23 side, apparently as well, we've also had rumours today that we've signed or signing Somerville from Feyenoord, which is kind of another youngster to add to the Charlie Allen, Joe Geldhart sort of crop we've signed. Um, I know he's a winger and probably not many of us have seen much about him, but all the signs coming from Europe are that he's quite a good talent. So it's interesting that Marcelo and Victor Water have spotted another one from uh, across the pond to bring into this group. Yeah, I mean, um, I can't profess to be an expert on... Um... Christian Somerville, I think he's called, or something along them lines, Christian so Somerville. Um, I've watched a couple of his YouTube videos, obviously the Oracle of Football Scouting YouTube videos, and um, he, he looks a talent, but it's difficult to see against, uh, you know, who's playing against. But, um, he's, you know, he's made, I think he's made a couple of appearances in Eredivisie for uh, Den Haag. And, yeah, just another one to kind of flesh out that, that 23s and start pushing towards the, 
the first team, I think. Yeah, he's played men's football as well, like at the age of, I think he's 17 or when he played, he's 17, just turned 18. So to play in a league like that, I know it's not the Premiership, obviously, but he's playing against men week in, week out in big stadiums with big crowds. That's quite impressive for, for someone of that age to go and do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we've had our own um, we've had our own crop of players come through and do that in the past. You, James Milner's and you, um, go on, James Milner and Alan Lewis Smith. Cook and Alan <laughs> Smith and people like that who've all come through and you know they've gone on to have good careers. So it does bode them well that they're getting they're getting trusted to be thrust into the men's game at such a young age. And you know the talent's clearly there. And <clears throat> I think credit to credit to uh, Victor Otter. Obviously, it's too early to. So I'll say how successful they have been, but on paper the, the signings for the twenty threes have been pretty pretty damn impressive to be honest. Yeah, I was gonna say if we look more in depth at some of those signings and the first team signings, um I think Joe Geldart's a bit of a standout as well, isn't he? All the rumours coming from Ellen Road. I know Phil's mentioned it a couple of times that he's really impressing as well. And there was that video they did early on where he was blowing and doing a Bielsa running class, which I found was quite funny. Yeah, um, I think the other one as well to keep an eye out is uh, the lad Cody Drama, the, the right-back. Um, mm-hmm. The Fulham fans were absolutely furious at the fact he'd been allowed to leave. And I think he was being touted as being the next big thing to come out of Fulham's youth team, following in the footsteps of the, the Sessignon brothers. So, um, he'll be one to sort of keep an eye on. He, he could potentially be the long-term replacement for, for Luke Healy, maybe. Yeah, I think he got seven assists or eight assists at PL2, which is the level that R23s will play at now and to get that from right back and people said he plays like right centre back as a three as well which we know Marcelo would like uh, that's quite impressive to go get seven eight assists at that level yeah he sounds like a direct replacement for Luke Ayling to be honest doesn't he um, being able to play um, as, a, as a three or maybe even eventually once he's had the Marcelo Bielsa treatment as a, as a centre half um, it looks it looks to be from the again from the videos I've seen he looks to be a attack minded sort of full back wing back and uh, I think if they work on his on his end product, I think that's one of the one of the criticisms. Despite his high uh, assist rate, that sometimes his end product's not great. But you know, a young boy, uh, good good pedigree. You know, um, a lot to be excited about. I think. Yeah, I think he's been capped at 16s, 17s, and 18s for England, which is impressive. And him alongside, I think it's Sam Greenwood, isn't it, as well, who's had uh, multiple caps for the under 16s, especially. Uh, and I know you had a guy on that's coached him before, and he was quite positive about how he thinks. Sam will progress and kind of want to get through to the first team sooner maybe than most Leeds fans would think. Yeah, we had um, Darren Kelly on. He's the current Scarborough manager and he's uh, he was Paddy Miller. Uh, he was Paddy Miller's manager who's obviously now on our podcast. And, um, he was head of youth technical director at Sunderland when, when Sam were there. And um, <clears throat> To be honest, you couldn't praise him enough for his not only his ability, but his, his attitude and his work rate. And He, uh, he did single out that his ability from set pieces is... Uh, is ridiculous. So yeah, um, I think it was uh, one of the lads on our podcast said it'd be quite interesting that in, in possibly three, four years you could have um, Joe Gellard and Sam Greenwood lining up as an offensive two for Leeds in the Premier League. That, that's uh, something to be excited about, really. Yeah, definitely. And they both scored as well. I know they drew one all against Man City and they drew one all against someone else the game after. Uh, and they both scored Gellard and Greenwood, one each in those two games. So they kind of started off well, which is good. And I imagine we'll probably see some of them in the uh, Carabao Cup, which we'll go on to talk about later. Um, yeah. And then in terms of the first team signings, <coughs> we we had the forty million Saturday uh, that everyone <laughs> loved, and kind of we probably thought we'd never see when you're going back to the days when we were signing people like Paul Green from Derby. Um, what were your initial thoughts when you saw the links and kind of how fast it all moved? Because historically, under Auto, our transfer business has been a little bit 
dragged out in terms of trying to get the best deal possible. But with these two, we kind of just went in and just got it done early. Yeah, the Rodrigo one was the interesting one for me because I got um, I got a sniff of that name about two weeks before, and I, I kind of I watched a couple of YouTube clips and I, I basically just went, no, that's ridiculous, no way. Uh, on God's green earth, are we linked with this guy? And I, I put it in our group and I just said, look, there's a, there's a link to this guy. And I think some of the lads are like, no, nah, I can't see it. Um, but then you look on the sort of business point of view from him and Ollie Watkins, who it looked to be the two, you know, we, we've gone there and signed a Spain's number nine, who's got, um, you know, an incredible CV, won, won, um, won cups and trophies at the highest level, played for Spain at the highest level, played in the Champions League. You know, played for Valencia for 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 many years, and on, on the face of it, um, it looks a lot less of a risk than Ollie Watkins. Because you know, I know Ollie Watkins had an incredible championship season, and uh, he's been consistent for a couple of years now. But you know, <clears throat> Brentford were similar with Neil Morpay, and he didn't really make the change to the to the Premier League that well. I'm not saying Ollie Watkins won't, but um, you know, you look at you look at the um, experience of Rodrigo. You'd hope that he'll make the um, the transition better and we forget he's also played in the Premier League before uh, so he has got although it was like 10 years ago he has got um, you know a bit of experience in playing in England and playing in the Premier League Yeah and he's played against a couple of English sides as well in the Champions League as well so he's not afraid to go away to these places and score a goal like he did against Chelsea I think it was last year maybe the year before he scored against them um, but yeah in terms of the deal I agree I think it's cheaper as well than Watkins isn't it it's a couple of mil cheaper and Watkins yeah. is 8 million more than Morpay as well Morpay scored more goals than Watkins so I think that Brentford have got a hell of a deal 33 million from Villa and I think Villa just got desperate didn't they after allegedly players have turned them down all summer and they've just gone and just spent as much money as they can on a, on a striker yeah I mean <clears throat> you know Villa's an interesting one because I personally don't massively rate Dean Smith as a sort of tactical manager and um, I'm not really sure if in the Premier League he'll be able to set Villa up to get the best out of Watkins. Um, but, you know, we'll have to sort of wait and see and it'll be one to kind of keep an eye on. But, you know, um, sod Villa and sod Watkins, it's all about Rodrigo Moreno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think the reason they were both linked with Leeds is obviously because Marcelo, we know he loves to play people in different positions. And the fact that uh, Rodrigo can kind of play 10, second striker, number nine, and obviously on the right if needed. I think that kind of suits us more as well. And I know we're trying to get some more deals over the line, which we'll talk about in a bit. But if they don't happen, it kind of gives you squad depth instantly, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, I think me and you actually conversed on Twitter about it. Because when I watched the first few videos of Rodrigo, I was pretty convinced that he probably wasn't your sort of central target man type striker, a little bit like Patrick Bamford, although he's not a sort of traditional target man. He looked a lot of the time to start from the right and, and play out wide and, and cut inside. Um, but I've read a few things about him and, um, you know, I think he can play either position quite well. And I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to, to see him him behind Bamford a little bit. I think he could wreak a bit of havoc in the Premier League, to be honest. Um, being able to get beyond Bamford. Uh, Bamford do his, you know, sort of work and holding it up a little bit and, and Rodrigo running in behind it. I'm, I'm quite interested to see how that one works. A little bit like uh, Bamford and Roof did on uh, sort of Bielsa season one very briefly. Yeah, and I think it was quite telling that Phil put on his Twitter earlier, he put the team that he would start best 11 against Liverpool. And obviously he's got ears to the ground. He kind of put Rodrigo slightly behind Bamford, didn't he? And put Pablo back on the right, uh, which I thought was interesting because, you know, obviously Phil's got the connection. So whether or not that's something they'll go with. 
we'll have to see. But did you watch the first game uh, for Spain against Germany? Because Rodrigo, that first half, I thought looked like the perfect Bielsa player. He did, obviously. A few people jumped all over the fact that he had that chance, but a little bit more difficult than people give it credit for. I know, I know, I know he's got an open net before people jump all over me. I know he's got an open net, but it's one of them where it's kind of bobbling. He wants to get it out of his feet before he can make a clean connection. And But yeah, I think there was a few times in that game and I was like, wow. It was like, I was all purring. The one where he made a little turn on the edge of the box and just, just shot over. And I was like, yeah, that's that's what we need. And, and, and not against, you know, the uh, German dog and duck. We're talking about the German national team, you know, some of, some of the best... Uh, Centre half Germany's got to offer. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see him. Um, I'm excited to see how he, how he fits in. And yeah, it's an interesting one from Phil playing him as a second and putting uh, Pablo out there because you know if you look at it from a, a point of view, I, I don't think we're going to get a great deal of joy on Saturday in the in the wide positions. Traditionally, with wingers using their pace because they've got two extremely pacey fullbacks. So you know maybe Bielsa's got a little. Um, trick up his sleeve in overloading the sort of middle areas and getting Bamford to do all the donkey work and then having uh, Pablo and, and uh, Rodrigo pulling the strings in behind. So it'll be an interesting uh, interesting one to see how we line up on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's quite clever because even though we know Costa's quite fast, obviously Robertson's, I know Trent's probably their better player, but defensively Robertson's one of the best left-backs I've seen. So to have someone just run at him non-stop, he's not going to get as much joy. Whereas we know what Pablo will do, he'll just drift and just find wherever the space is. So yeah, I yeah. agree. I think Marcelo might have spotted that as a as a, a way to try and nick something on Saturday if we can. Um, and in terms of Robin Koch, what was your thoughts on that? Obviously, probably a third of what we'd have paid for Ben White. He's an international. I think he's played 80 games in the Bundesliga and Ben White's played 40 in the Championship. Uh, did we get a bit of a good deal there, you think? Yeah, I mean, when the name first came up, we watched him for Freiburg when the Bundesliga came back in um, lock, after COVID lockdown. And uh, I'll be honest, in the first game, I watched the first 10 minutes, I thought, yeah, I can absolutely see why Leeds would be interested. They did have some of the similar traits to Ben White. Not exactly the same, but similar. Um, but then it kind of went quiet a little bit after that. I think Leeds focused on, on White. Um, but then um, I spoke to Alex uh, Schaefer, who's um, the Bundesliga content manager, um, and he's watched Cork up close for, um, you know, a long period of time. And um, he absolutely raved about him and said that potentially we've got the better deal of the of the two. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, it brings a lot of different attributes to Ben White. Obviously, he's a lot a lot taller, carries a bit more of a threat maybe. Um, I think he's probably a little bit slower than, than Ben White. But, you know, we'll, he's, he's got the pedigree. He's a full German international. When I watched Germany train the other day, because I am genuinely that sad, uh, the commentator was um, was talking up that you know he could be the future of the German team and and yeah um, I, you know I'm pleased I'm pleased to have him on board and I think he could be a, quite an astute signing. Yeah, it's another one as well. He can play in multiple positions because he can play in like that back three, but he's also played holding mid a lot for for Freiburg. I think after lockdown, nearly every like um, minute he played was at holding mid because they had two midfielders that were out and he didn't look out of place in holding mid. And we know that Calvin's going to pick up the odd suspension here and there even in the Premiership so it's good to have extra cover uh, without having to sign two players I think that's typical Bielsa signing Yeah definitely and that's probably what differs him to Ben White a little bit we saw Ben White in that position and he looked a little bit awkward at times just purely because he was out of position um, I think the first time we saw him there was against Huddersfield um, at Huddersfield it didn't really work um, but I don't think that was due to Ben I think it was due to they expected Huddersfield to line up with two up front, but Carlin Grant kind of dipped into this like second striker type area, uh, which made it difficult for for Ben to sort of find his 
his area in, in where he was wanting to play. And he found himself dropping in and making a back three rather than being the sort of holding anchor that Calvin is. But yeah, um, Cox obviously got more experience in playing there. Um, and it's probably a bit more of a natural fit for him in, in terms of, um, you know, he's got a lot of experience in playing at a, a good level in the Bundesliga there. Yeah, and we've seen a couple of jokes as well flying around on Twitter from uh, Barry Douglas and from the club about uh, showing a lot of cock and showing big cock. So I'm sure he's going <laughs> to fit in with the teammates perfectly. Um, and also we heard from Marcelo today that uh, he said that both players, which is very rare for him to say this, both players are obviously uh, at a physical level where they can play. Uh, and normally when we sign a player, Mar- uh, Marcelo's there saying, oh, he needs a few training sessions, but not with these two. So I wonder if we're going to see a change of tactic and maybe get two starting on Saturday, which would be rare. Yeah, I mean, we're fishing in a slightly different pond to what we have done before, aren't we? We're not, we're not talking about Chelsea's third keeper or, you know, <laughs> um, the, the lone wanderer in Izzy Brown. You know, we're talking about a German and Spain international. You can imagine that playing at the very highest level, they're going to be in, in good condition. And I know, again, when I spoke to Alice Schaefer, he said that um, the gaffer at Freiburg, whose name eludes me right now, said he was a real taskmaster as well. So, um, you know, he expected him to be in good physical condition to come in at um, Leeds. And it appears that that's been the case. So, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be an interesting one. Uh, I do think Koch will start on, on Saturday. I'm not sure about Rodrigo. Um, I'd like to, but then there's an argument that you know, there's players in this team who did enough last season to argue the fact that they should be given a, a shot in the Premier League. But, you know, Bielsa doesn't get called God for no reason. So um, we'll we'll leave it to him and see what he comes up with. Yeah, and speaking of the Freiburg manager, I know John uh, McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? He supports Leeds and Freiburg. Uh, and he was saying that the similarities are like uh, almost unheard of. Like the, amount, the amount they press and then the way they play with pace is so similar to Bielsa team. So... I think you're right in obviously having one less centre-back. I think that Robin's probably a shoe-in to start, which would be good for Saturday. Um, also, in the press conference today, obviously, Marcelo kind of broke his own news uh, that the club haven't got to got to do and said that the contract's done or saying that he's going to be coaching Leeds next season, which I think most of us were quite confident he would. But until he signed, as the days went on, we had a few people on Twitter, didn't we, kind of commenting, being like, uh, this is getting a bit close now. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from obviously what's gone before with, with Lazio. But um, as I tried to point out rather poorly on Twitter to a few people, that it's, it's a totally different situation, really. That at Lazio, he'd given them a list of targets, and the, the club didn't appear to have been doing anything with them list of targets. Uh, so therefore, he walked out. Whereas, you know, Leeds, if it was a transfer thing, Leeds have cracked on. I mean, broke his transfer record, signed a German international. You know, I'm not sure there's much more that. that that he could possibly ask for from the club um, appeared to be working on other deals. But yeah, I mean, the fact that we saw him in an Adidas gear um, and he hadn't been home, his family's come over from Argentina. You know, I think that that told me everything I needed to know that he'd have been here next year. I think uh, by all accounts, it comes down to just some sort of uh, wranglings with his contract. Um, you know, he's a stickler for, for detail. and But he's also a stickler for, you know, um, priorities. And I don't just don't think he sees his... Uh, his contract is a priority. He's setting the lads up ready for the new season as more as a priority, much to us as the fans uh, dismay because we just want to see him signed up again. But, you know, I think he, I think he's fell in love with the club and um, he's fell in love with the project. And, I, you know, I, I would never really worried that he were going to walk away, to be honest. Yeah, I think in his words, he said that since promotion, he's basically been working like crazy just for the new season. So, and allegedly, he's doing his own contract this time. Apparently, his brother's not not doing the contract. He's doing his own. So, you imagine how many hours he spends 
looking at like Liverpool's third choice goalkeeper that he hasn't got time to sit down and read like legal documents. So I think most of us were quite confident and it's good to hear it. And hopefully they announce it before Saturday officially. That would be quite a nice little touch, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, in terms of more transfer business, uh, obviously we're still linked with Rodrigo de Paul. That's very on and off. Uh, whether or not Udinese are just trying to use us to get 40 million off someone, I'm not quite sure. Uh, you guys mentioned the Draxler thing, which I agreed with you that I don't think that's going to happen. I think rumours are he's on 220 grand a week, which is just not going to work in our scores. Uh, and then Gar- Garvadol, who uh, is a Croatian centre-back who can play left-back. Uh, I've got a friend who works for a football club uh, in a certain part of Europe, and apparently he's one of the best talents they've ever spotted. Uh, and rumours are he's only on a very small amount of money a week, so I think that one could get done. But what are your thoughts on, on those three players and or positions you think we need to strengthen before the end of October? Yeah, I think the the Paul one is one that I was fully in on. I was like, yeah, watched him. Uh, he's a good-looking lad. He's got lots of nice tattoos. I was like, yeah, let's get him in. Uh, he'll do us a world of good. But like the more and more it goes on, I, I think that probably Leeds have had held talks with Udinese about trying to get that deal. And I think ultimately it's probably just a little bit too expensive. I think we've probably focused our sights elsewhere, but Udinese want to move him on. So they kind of keep the keep the rhetoric going that Leeds are still trying to negotiate for him in the hope that it'll then, you know, attract some attract some more people to the table to try and sign him. Um, don't get me wrong, I'd absolutely love to sign him. I think he'd, he'd fit in perfectly, but 40 million euros is a is a big wedge uh, to outlay for a, you know, on one player for a team newly promoted. So I have to wait and see on that one. Um, yeah, Gavid, yeah, the Gavardi old one is, is a really interesting one. He's in... Yeah, um, he looks to be an incredible talent and uh, and much the same as you. People have uh, managed to speak to, you know, um, who, who follow uh, Dynamo Zagreb and stuff like that, said that the kid is, you know, probably one of the biggest talents to come out of Croatia in, in quite some time. But the the one thing that does allow me a little bit, talking like 20 million euros for a, you know, granted a, an incredibly, you know, talented lad, but again, you know, can he make the, can he make the transfer over to England and, it's a lot of money for somebody who's potentially going to spend the majority of the season sat on the bench behind Liam Cooper and, and Robin Cock. But um, if there's a deal there to be done, um, I'd absolutely love him to be at Leeds. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see if that, that one happens. Yeah, I think the person that mentioned it to me said that he could actually see him even playing as a left-back because he'd done that before for Croatia, uh, obviously for youth teams, not the same as playing in the Premiership, I know, but apparently he can play left-back and we kind of know that's an area that Marcelo's chopped and changed with so I just wonder if we're going to end up spending 15 to 20 million as if they see him more as a three at the back or more of a left back but mm. as you said before it's kind of whatever God wants to do God's going to do so <laughs> who are we to kind of second guess um, so apart from that are there any positions you think we need to strengthen obviously most people think we need a 10 centre back and a goalkeeper uh, where do you fall on the, the goalkeeper uh, I, debate? I think that um I think that Melia has probably done enough to, to deserve his shot. Um, Kiko, I'm not particularly sold on him. I think he, he was good in parts last season, did did save us some points, but makes mistakes at crucial times and um, kind of... I don't know. I think with Melia as number one, we could probably get a, a number two who would be more suited as a number two with slightly smaller wages, but you know, equal ability, if that makes sense. So I don't, I don't see us doing um, any goalkeeper business if I'm if I'm honest, I think that Kiko will stay at least probably till January, uh, much to some fans' dismay. Uh, the left-back position is an interesting one because I've, I've, ever since Barry Douglas came in from Wolves, I've always wanted him to try to stamp that down as his own. I think he's a 
He's a clever player. He's not the he's not the fat. He's not the quickest. Um, he gets exposed sometimes defensively. But I've always kind of wanted to wanted him to really make a claim and get you know a run of seven or eight, nine, ten games. And uh, and he and he had a couple of good games towards the end of last season. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting one. So we got linked with um, Lukaku from uh, Lazio today, uh, brother of um, Romeo. I can't remember his name now. Um, Jordan, I think it is. Yeah, Jordan, John Lukaku was in Brighton for five million euros. But I think for that to happen, then we'd have to probably see a left back go out. Um, I know that Alioski is obviously not a traditional left back, but he, he's filled in there. Stuart Dallas is just going to play wherever Bielsa puts him. Probably as like a <laughs> shot-stopping goalkeeper at some point, but um, I'm not sure. It'd be an interesting one, the left-back. Looking at it sort of with me head rather than my heart, yeah, I'd probably say that that's a position that we've really struggled with over a, a long period of time, but then if I look at it from my heart point of view, I'd really like Barry Douglas to to sort of stake it as his own because he's got a wand of a left foot and um, I think he deserves a crack at the Premier League because he's been a little bit unlucky before, but... Um, the wide position's an interesting one. I think, uh, obviously, much linked with Ryan Kemp. That appears to have gone a little bit cold. And I did see something the other day that Bielsa's still a massive fan of Dan James. And, obviously, uh, them people over the Pennines that wear red, they seem keen on Jordan Sancho. So, I'm kind of wondering if our wide position might be instricably linked with that. As in, if they get Sancho in, then maybe we finally get Dan James over the line after a long <laughs> period of time. But I'm not sure, mate. Um I do think we need uh, more goals from midfield this year. So, yeah, you know, a, a 10 um, or somebody who can just add a little bit of something different in there when, you know, maybe maybe Pablo is not quite at it because, you know, we tend to forget he's a 35-year-old man who's who's carried this team at times. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're for me a bit a bit, a bit of cover at, at centre-back, um, whatever, whatever they pick to be that. And I think, you know, we might not be, we might not be far off at that point ready for, ready to go. Yeah, and I think the window also extends all the way through to the end. And these positions might not be starters or guaranteed starters unless it's someone like DePaul, obviously. And I think that we could just see Victor Orta kind of leaving it till late in the window, like we've done before, whether Udinese will take five million off if they're desperate to sell or whether Dan James is available on loan. I think we'll see those bits of business being done later in the window and kind of go with what we've got for now, which yeah. I think I'm fine with because, like you said, the players have earned this chance. and. We've got cover in most areas um, and we know that Marcelo will just play whoever he wants in the areas we haven't got covering. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And, you know, yeah, we, we do need a few more maybe, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird window. We're kind of waiting for that one big deal to, to kick it all off and it's it's starting to, to trickle free, feed through slightly if you see it, the deal starting to happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and obviously Chelsea have been the big spenders um, so far you know, some of the players they've brought in. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which big deal, whether that is Sancho to Man United or whatever, kind of kicks it off and, and, and see where we end up when the window shuts. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, all right, so let's move on to preview the two games we've got before we ne- before I next record my next podcast with uh, Joe Wayman, who I know you know well. Um, yeah, yeah, Joe, yeah. Yeah, let's start with uh, the whole game. We'll leave the big one till last. Um, so we've got Hull next Wednesday, I believe. Um, obviously in the Carabao Cup, and the winners will play Charlton or West Ham, which I just think is an awful draw for us to have to go to, to London on a Tuesday night. But you don't expect anything else with me, do you? But um, who do you think will play in that game? Do you think he'll do a mixture? Because obviously we know that there'll be some first-teamers on the bench uh, on Saturday that won't play because our squad's for once nearly fully fit. Uh, or do you think you'll just play the kids to try and give them some experience? 
Uh, again, a heart and head type thing. I mean, head's kind of like, yeah, um, play at Anfield on Saturday and maybe give, you know, your your dramas, your Gellards, uh, you know, Alfie McCallum or people like that a, a chance against uh, League One Hull. Um, however, uh, I wouldn't also be surprised if he played, uh, you know, strongest 11 or his um, strongest 11 on Saturday and then the same team turned out on Wednesday because it'd be very Marcelo-like <laughs> um, to try and um, sort of... Um, I don't know. Build a bit of build a bit of consistency because he, he does like a consistent team. But I think Wednesday, depending on how it goes on Saturday, if we don't see Rodrigo play on Saturday or he comes on as a sub, it'd probably be nice to see him start against Hull. And, um, and yeah, some of the young lads, I'm, I'm quite interested to to have a look at uh, Joe Gellar particularly, and and probably not Sam Greenwood. I think he'll probably uh, maybe stay in and around the the um, 18s for a bit. Um, but yeah, be, be be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, good opportunity to to blood a few, but will he do it? I'm not sure, uh, if I'm honest. Yeah, and without the loans, there's been a lot of rumours that some of our kids are going to go out on loan, but we've kind of only seen um, one or two go out so far. I think that they're going to kind of need minutes, whether that's to try and get people to come in for them. You know, the likes of uh, Alfie McCallum and Jordan Stevens. I think they're going to need to be involved in that sort of game if they're not going to go out on loan, because otherwise they're not going to play. Um, mm. But I agree with you. I think if Rodrigo or Bamford or Costa, whoever doesn't start on Saturday, I think they'll start. And I think you could see Robin Cock playing at Hull, which is probably not what he envisaged doing when he signed for Leeds, <laughs> but just to get some more minutes in the um, Bielsa system. Uh, and then in terms of competition in, in, as a whole, do you think that we'll try and take it more seriously? Because I was having a discussion with someone the other day that I think Marcelo will want to take one of the Cups or both the Cups quite serious, because obviously we're not a title challenger uh, for the Premier League like we were in the Championship and he's he's definitely a born winner and I think that he'll want to try and take one of the cups as far as he can Yeah, I mean, Marcelo's keen on respecting the competition as well isn't he? And, um, yeah, it's, it's a good opportunity really to, to have a decent cup run. The only thing that worries me ever so slightly that is we carry a naturally um, slim down squad um, normally um, so I'm just wondering if we sort of carry enough weight in the team to sort of compete on two fronts. And I think that for us this season, the goal's got to be to stay in the Premier League. Um, but, yeah, good opportunity for, you know, some of these lads who are staking the first team place, if Marcelo chooses to go that way, to, you know, to to do that in the in the cup competitions and, and, and get Leeds through to the next rounds, but also in the same case, get themselves in Marcelo's thoughts for, for playing in the Premier League. Yeah, and if Charlton managed to beat West Ham, obviously you've got two League One teams as your first two games. So, You'd like to think, as a Premiership side, you'd look past those games and, and move on, but we'll have to see. Um, in terms of a score, obviously it's hard not knowing what team will put out, but how do you see the game going? Do you see us just comfortably winning, or do you think, because it's a, an away game at the start of the season to a team that are going to be well up for it, do you think that we might struggle? Uh, I'm not sure. It depends um, how Hull have handled their absolute um, <laughs> collapse um, going into the end of the last season, but... Um, do you know, I, I fancy us to beat Hull, um, no matter what team he puts out, because, you know, any team he puts out is in the in the style of Marcelo Bielsa and the way that he wants them to play. We saw with the 18s or the, the, the 14s, as I joked last <laughs> night on Talking Show, um, at Accrington, they still tried to play the way he, you know, he, he wants the first team to play. So, you know, I, I fancy us to beat Hull. Uh, I know it probably sounds a little bit disrespectful to Hull, but they are a bit of a bomb scare of a club. Um, so, yeah, I'd expect it to beat him. Uh, for a, a full score prediction, I, I don't know. I'd probably go uh, two, two, maybe three nil, um, depending on who we puts out. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think whoever he puts out, whether it's all the first team is just more minutes or players that want to try and bed into the first team, you know they're going to work hard and try and win every game because that's just the way Marcelo wants us to play. Um, so, yeah, I think I could see a three or four, uh, three or four nil, depending on who he puts out. And if Rodrigo plays, he could uh, get his first Leeds hat trick. That would be, <laughs> that'd be ideal. Um, all right, moving on to the big one then. Uh, so, we've got Liverpool uh, in under 48 hours now. Absolute mad after... 16 years that in less than two days we're going to be playing back in the Premiership. If I'm honest, it's kind of snuck up on me a little bit. Yeah, same for us, mate. Um, I mentioned it last night on on our show, and I I know I keep going back to it, but I said to to Pope, it's only really started feeling real in this this last week, really, that I keep seeing it on Sky, and, you know, we've now been talked about on TalkSport, and, you know, all them things that we've kind of forgotten about after 16 years of being in the wilderness where... You know, Sky want to talk about Leeds, and they want and Talksport want to talk about Leeds, and you know, champions of the Championship against champions of the Premier League for the for the opening game. You know, Klopp versus Bielsa is a is a good rhetoric for any of the media organisations to spin. But do you know what? It'll just be it'll just be really exciting to see you know Liam Cooper lead us at Anfield and and have them Premier League badges on his arm. And do you know? I I think we'll give it a right good go. Um, to be honest, and I think. The lads will be bang up for it. They've, they've, they've grafted, grafted the nuts off for you know 24 months essentially, maybe even longer, um, and you know they deserve this this sort of opportunity to to go and go and and, um, and prove what the hype's all about about Marcelo and Leeds United being back in the big time. Yeah, I think as well a lot of pundits have not kind of wrote us off, but they've just said that it's kind of a free hit for us for this game, which I agree. But they've also kind of picked us to stay up, which is quite rare. I thought. A lot of like media outlets were trying to get clicks, just trying to say our oh, leads will go down. But a lot of the experts kind of saying they think we'll do better than than most people think, which is quite nice, really. And it, I think it means we can go to Anfield and kind of just play the way we want to play. And I think Marcelo said today we'll just start the way we played last year and see how we get on, basically. So I don't expect anything less from them to try and go out and win the game. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, I did another podcast last night after ours, um, a podcast called Shoot the Defence. Um, and it was a Premier League review, and all the guys on there, one of them being Roger Giggs, brother of Ryan, all all said that they all fancied Leeds to be the surprise package this year, and that Leeds will surprise a few Premier League teams with just how good they are. And and you know we we're probably guilty us as fans as well of of putting these Leeds uh, putting these Premier League teams on a pedestal. And I've been watching quite a bit of uh, Premier League. There's some poor sides in there even now still. Um, and I think that while ever we've got Marcelo who strives for excellence, um, you know we we will surprise a few teams this year. And and yeah, good Anfield on Saturday. It's a free hit, isn't it? You know, like as long as we keep the score respectable and give a good account of ourselves, I don't really care how it goes. If I'm if I'm really honest on Saturday. Yeah, on my last podcast, I spoke to an Arsenal fan who expected us to do quite well um, and thought we'd play some of the best football. You know, in that mid middling teams from from like eighth to sixteenth, and just said that I think we'll be the surprise package. Uh, and he actually predicted that we'd get a draw at Anfield because Liverpool obviously didn't end the season as well as they started it last year and kind of think that might be a bit of a hangover. But I did say to him, with that front three, I'm not quite sure <laughs> many people will predict that Liverpool won't win the game. But um, in terms of our lineup, do you think that the international break will affect the game at all? Do you think that he'll want to uh, play the same team that finished last year, basically plus Robin Cock? Or do you see some wholesale changes with Rodrigo, um, Pablo coming back in, etc.? I don't know. It's a difficult one. I mean... I said it again that it's got a little bit of a feeling of before that Stoke game where 
I don't really know what to expect. I know obviously the way that we'll go about it because you know we're only gonna we're only gonna go about it the way that we've gone about it ever since Marcelo's come um, come into the club. But in terms of lineup, I'm 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 really not sure. Um, I don't know where he'll go. I, you know, me me heart kind of says that I'd probably think that it'll be the same lineup that kind of finished last season, probably plus Robin Cock, but. Mm-hmm. I also wouldn't be surprised in the slightest to see uh, Stuart Dallas going at right back, Luke Haley on the side long uh, side, Liam Cooper and Barry Douglas at left back or Ali Oski at left back, um, and him and him sight that you know the lads need a little bit more time to settle in. That wouldn't surprise me either. But you know, um, I'm not sure. I'd like to see. I'd like to obviously see Cock and Rodrigo in a in a lead shirt and, and see what they're all about. But you know. Bielsa is the man who's probably watched 400 hours of Liverpool and 400 hours of Rodrigo and 400 hours of Koch and 400 hours of every other team um, that we're going to play. So, you know, he's the man who's, who's best best place to pick. Yeah, definitely. Would you um, would Aylin being right centre-back next to Liam worry you in terms of that that game itself? Obviously, it's just one game and like you said, we want to come away with a respectable score. Would would having that makeshift back four worry you at all? Or do you think they're so well drilled that kind of not whoever we put out will do well, but whoever we put out will follow the system and be regimented enough to not, not go and get dicked like three or four? No, I think it would worry me, to be honest, because I'd, I've never really I never really liked Luke at that um, centre-back position. I, it's not that I don't think he's you know a good player. I just I much prefer him in his, in his natural right-back position, doing his flops uh, wherever he can squeeze him in. Um, so, yeah, I think for me... We should really go for for Cot, um, you know, natural centre half who's who's played at good levels. But again, it, it, it's what Marcelo deems is is ready. But I know he said him in the press today that they're both ready. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to just wait and see. Yeah, and then in terms of uh, obviously a score game prediction, everyone on this podcast that's a Leeds fan is going to be biased. But how do you see the game going with your with your head and your heart score wise? Uh, so if I went um, heart, I'd probably say one-one draw. Uh, I'd be I'd be happy with a one-one draw. Um, head, I think I, I think I said three-two three-two defeat last night on Talking Shut. Um, I think it, I think possibly a, a narrow defeat. I think a little bit like the Arsenal game in the cup, where you know I think we could give a good account ourselves for maybe sixty seventy minutes, but I think ultimately the the quality um, might shine through with you know the front three that they've got. Yeah, I think I said on our. Uh, on another podcast I did this morning for a prediction for the weekend, I said two-two. That was my my heart prediction, and either us score really early or score really late. But if we score late, I'll be kind of disappointed that the away ends not filled with crazy Leeds fans going mental <laughs> rather than all sat at home drinking our pints on the sofa. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's the one sort of sad sad element to this. But you know, it is what it is, and we have to make best of it. Yeah, and there's some bigger away games, obviously, for, for us, whether it's Chelsea, Man United, etc. At the end of the year, that we kind of just have to pray and hope that something happens to try and get fans back in. Uh, unfortunately, me and the family booked a holiday this weekend, so I arrive at... <laughs> I arrive, it's in England, but I arrive at five o'clock and the game's at half five, so I've either got to get the iPad up rather sharpish <laughs> or find a pub which will be full of Liverpool, Man United fans, probably. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, that's not quite as good as being in Anfield, unfortunately. No, no, it's not quite the same. But <laughs> um, yeah, and then finally, in terms of the season, um, what are you looking forward to most about? Obviously, first year back. Where do you think we'll finish? Uh, and what are you not looking forward to, like VAR, for example? Um, I'm not looking forward to the media assassinations on on Marcelo and players because you know that's what they like to do, um, and I, I don't particularly like that side of things, to be honest. But 
Um, just looking forward to seeing us again at the you know the top table and look forward to playing you know the big teams, but also just like silly things like being on match of the day and you know transfer deadline day. We might actually see somebody stood outside the London Road for a change, getting a you know getting a some sort of toy poked in the rear rather than um, you know all the southern clubs that we generally see and yeah just. Just, just being talked about in the same circles of all these big clubs again, I think is the most exciting bit for me. And you know, from a from a sentimental point of view, uh, being able to share it with my son as well, leads back in the Premier League. Obviously, he's only eleven; he's never he's never witnessed it. And for a long time, I think he thought I lied to him that Leeds used to play in Premier League, especially <laughs> when I took him to some of the league um, League One games. So, yeah, a little bit of that. Um, I'm not particularly looking forward to VAR and and like I said, the media sense sense um, sensationalism of things, but. It comes with comes with the territory a little bit, and yeah, I'm just 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 chuffed to be back there after what feels like a well, it is a long time. Yeah, it's very long time, and it's been no like shock, is it, that every media outlet you already look at is just Marcelo's all over it. I think we're obviously a big club that everyone wants to see back or doesn't want to see back, but I think the fact that he's our manager is almost like getting the interest up even more, isn't it? I know Sky have done another documentary where they interviewed. Uh, Mr. Risdale, unfortunately, but um, yeah, they're kind of talking about Marcelo on the hour every hour, which is nice for us Leeds fans. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we've probably been suppressed into not saying it for so long because we've been out of the big time for so long. But you know, as we all know, it's it's a massive, massive football club. I mean, like, obviously, I've been lucky enough we're talking shit to speak to a lot of ex Leeds players and yeah, and you know, people I've met at events and things like that and. Like I interviewed Emerson Boyce quite a while ago for for another podcast that I do, and um, obviously won the FA Cup with with Wigan, and I just took the quick opportunity to like, mate, just just talk me through from a completely non Leeds perspective, playing at Ellen Road and and Leeds as a club, and first thing he said, well, you know, massive club, and he said that East Stand when it's when it's loud, it's it's, it's daunting because it's so big, and you know, we, we've probably been suppressed a little bit for saying we're a big club because, you know, all these Tim Pot fans would hammer us and say, well, you, you know, you're only talking about your history, but, you know, we're we're back there now and, and we shouldn't be afraid as Leeds fans to turn around and just say how much of a big one club, one club city that, that Leeds is and some of the history that we've got and the opportunity now for some of these players to go and go and start making new history now and put them, put them 16 years of shit behind us. Um, and 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 you know, let's forget about them dark days, and let's let's kind of start again and and start rewriting history. And you never know, in next ten, fifteen years' time, maybe you know there'll be new heroes. will be talked about in the same sort of vein as some of the Champions League, and you know the Revy era and stuff like that. And it's just it's just nice to be able to to be back there and discussed about in the in the same circles as them. Yeah, I don't think your uh, your son's going to not know what it's like to be a, a true Leeds fan with, with all these years of great football and stuff and all the exciting players we've got for the future compared to the dark League One days. He's definitely chose the best time to, to come on board, I think. Yeah, I mean, the first game I took him to was Nuremberg in a pre-season. It cost me about 20 quid for a um, for a cop cap uh, stuffed teddy. And the only bit of excitement was when Ross McCormack nearly had a fight with a Nuremberg left back. And I think it was a nil-nil draw. It was the... It was the it was the centerpiece spectacle preseason friendly, and it was absolutely dreadful. It was the, um, I think it was the tire track season when we had that big smudge up the front of the shirt. Oh and, god! And yeah, it was horrendous. And then I remember taking him to Wolves in the season they got promoted at Ellen Road, and uh, I basically, it was, it was ironically, he was playing for the Leeds Academy at the time, and uh, we just sat there all the game and went, "Can you see what Adisako's going there? 
Yeah, just don't do that ever in football. <laughs> Can you see how that man's just ran off him now? Yeah, that same man who just crossed it in and they've just scored from. Yeah, that's why. Um, so yeah, um, you know, un- under Marcelo now is is absolutely blessed. And do you know? I think I think Marcelo's tainted us a little bit because I watch some football now and I think this is absolutely dreadful uh, because we're so uh, blessed to to witness such good football in you know in in victory, defeat, or or draw. Yeah, definitely. I think that was kind of evident when everyone started watching football after lockdown. You know, we were just blessed with two, three games a day and the amount of Leeds fans I saw that were watching like mid-table premiership teams play and they were just tweeting like, really, is this like football compared to what Marcelo does? The level of the way that we play compared to probably everybody outside the top 10 almost in the premiership was a huge gap. But obviously this season we'll have to see if we can, can make that step up. Um, last two questions, obviously. Uh, so one, uh, just wanted to know what was your highlight of your time in Talking Shirt, like your best interview or best experience it's given you? Oh, that's a great one. Um, I'm not sure. Do you know, like, just just being able to sit around with my mates and talk about Leeds week in, week out, and the fact that people actually listen to it. I mean, it, it shocks me every single day that um, that we get tweets off people and, you know, they're like, oh, we listen from from China or from uh, Myanmar or from you know America or Australia and Sweden and places like this. And I just think it's just absolutely wild that, you know, four, now five complete numpties who just like talking about Leeds started talking into a microphone and people actually listen to it. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for the, for the experiences that Talking Shuts let me have um, in terms of, you know, interviewing uh, club staff and players and even like... Um, Interview, I interviewed Paddy Kiznobo at like 10 past seven in my front room from Australia and just having a chat with him and like a uh, highlight. He, um, he texted me after we finished the interview and all it was was the spinning Leeds United logo in a gif. And uh, he just he just put, you know, um, you, you can just tell how it infects, infects people. But yeah, I've been in- incredibly blessed um, being able to, to, to speak to, you know, my heroes. Um, you know, I, I met Jermaine Beckford at Ellen Road and I managed to have a chat with him um, after the Brentford game, I think it were, uh, last season. And um, what one thing I will hold dear, and um, I, I mentioned it on Twitter, um, I went to the Brentford game uh, last season, the Eddie and Ketty sort of last-minute um, goal. And um, yeah. it got to about 10 minutes into the game and uh, I watched it on the gantry with, with, um, with Ryan Wilson doing a little bit for LS11 and... Uh, I, I spotted somebody uh, dragging a chair up at the side of me, but I never really paid much attention. And then uh, I got a quite a stiff like punch in the arm, and I, I looked over and uh, side of me was Norman Hunter, uh, and he was just um, slagging Pablo Hernandez off for a misplaced pass. And uh, he, he was like, "What do you think of that?" And I was like, "Whatever you say, Norman. If you think that was crap, even though it's Pablo Hernandez, I'll take it." And um, and you know, he sat there and he kicked every ball and he edited every ball, and you know, the passion, even you know, um, at the age you are, were, were obvious and. You know, that's one of the things that I'll probably get older and tell me, tell me grandkids about stuff like that, like that. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm incredibly blessed. And I know, you know, we, we laugh and joke about and talking shit, but all five of us are, are incredibly blessed with the experiences that we've managed to have with talking shit. And and more than anything, that people actually listen to it and that we get people who enjoy it. And we've had we had a message from a guy who's been shielding through COVID uh, because he's disabled, and he, he thanked us for doing watch-alongs and stuff like that. Said he felt like he were a part of it, and it. It helped him not to feel lonely and you know ultimately that for me is better than any sort of meeting a player or meeting a, a manager or, or whatever else like that but yeah um incredibly blessed and um 
I've had a few, I've had a few highlights. Uh, David Prutton taking over an interview and just interviewing us for an hour was uh, was a particular highlight. Um, yeah, I did like that podcast. That one and the Jamie Shackleton one made me laugh because you could tell that uh, Prutton was almost so experienced at interviewing people that he kind of forgot where he was and just took over. And then the Shackleton one, like almost the opposite. He was kind of like deciding when not to speak because he's such a polite lad, isn't he? He didn't want to interrupt yeah. the interview, which I found nice. The, the the Jamie Shackleton one were really funny because um, we obviously tweeted about him coming on before. I mean, th- I'll give you the story about behind that. Um, so we were originally having Angus Kinnear on um, on that show, and uh, I got a I got a text message. Uh, no, I got an email off Angus Kinnear saying, you know, can you send me your number? I need to speak to you. And I thought, oh god, have I have I said something on the podcast that there's took umbrage <laughs> to or something? So uh, I sent him my, my number, and he rang me at work, um, and I spoke to him, and he's like, look, I'm really sorry, I've got I've got some other business on, but um, I've given you, um, you know, Jamie Shackleton's going to come on. Um, I was like, all right, brilliant. And, uh, and we're going to host it from the from the Legends Lounge. I was like, oh, fantastic. But uh, obviously we, we put a couple of tweets out saying that we were having Jamie on. And um, his mum started following his account. And um, as I just arrived at, at Ellen Road to start setting the equipment up, got a DM off his mum just saying, you couldn't let us know when our Jamie gets there, could you? And it was like the equivalent of uh, your mum asking for three rings when you've got to your friend's house. So, um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. But, you know, just like connecting with other Leeds fans as well and, you know, all the other podcast, podcast creators, content creators, you know, Joe, Connor, you know, Ryan Wilson, the square ball lads, you know, every, every one of them, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an hobby that's turned into an obsession, to be honest. And, um, and I love it. It's great. Yeah, well, you can tell that you guys love doing it. And we all love listening, which is good. And there's so many different podcasts out there now and different YouTube channels that there's kind of something for everyone, which is nice. Um, but yeah, before we finish then, last question. Where will Leeds finish in the Premier League this year? What position do you think? Um, I'm going to go 13th. I said this on another podcast last night. 13th, and I think a, a comfortable 13th as well, I think. 13th in an FA Cup win, you'd take that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, are there any plans on um, Saturday for you guys to do a watch-along? Because I know you guys were quite keen during lockdown to do that. Yeah, uh, we'll be doing a watch-along. Uh, I'm actually working in the day, so um, I'll be speeding back through. Uh, it'll be, I think, me, Raggy, um, athletic Ben now, not young Ben anymore. He's all athletic now. Um <laughs> And I think Paddy will we'll probably jump on and do a bit of a watch along. Uh, you know, we, we we knock these up as a bit of a joke. To be honest, we knock these up as a way of us watching the games together because obviously we were in COVID lockdown and we thought, you yeah. know, while we're doing it, we'll just, we'll just bob it on YouTube. And we never really sort of advertised it. We just said, oh, it's on here if you want to watch it. And, um, and it, it went it went down an absolute treat, to be honest. Um, you know, people watching from all over and then the famous one is obviously the night that Uddersfield got us promoted and me and Raggy just got drunk on the internet and tied scarves <laughs> around his heads and just stacked to daft for a bit. It was great. Yeah, between that one and uh, Oscar from All Leeds TV on the on their YouTube channel getting drunk at the same time, it was yeah. hilarious to see. It was just slowly going downhill. More people were getting added, <laughs> added, added to the videos. I found that funny. <laughs> cool. All right, mate. Well, good luck with that. Um, enjoy the game on Saturday and enjoy the season. Uh, thanks for coming on again. No, absolutely. Uh, class, mate. Thank you very much for having me and uh, hope you enjoy the season, pal. And, um, and yeah, we'll see how we get on. Cool. Cheers, guys. Thanks.